So uh, this morning, if you like practical and you like lists, does anybody like lists, making lists and not being able to check off all those lists? Um, then this is the morning for you. This morning, uh, we're gonna do a lot of practical and there's gonna be a lot of lists. So if you take notes, uh, then I highly recommend you to grab your pen and get ready. Uh, all the notes are on the, uh, the Uversion app and, um, and you can look for the notes there and they'll be there for the whole week uh, in case you miss any of these um, about our um, commitments of what it means to be here and a member of Exchange Church. And so uh, commitment number one is to be a people who um, we are committed to pursue community and embrace accountability. So last week, Brian talked a lot about pursuing community. And today I'm gonna talk about embracing this thing called accountability. So I don't know what images or what things come to your mind when you think of accountability, um, but Let's go back to Hebrews 10, which is the passage we were in last week. And so we're going to spend most of our time just back in the same passage in Hebrews 10. Uh, we're going to kind of tease that out a little bit more and talk about accountability. Let's start in verse 19. It says this, says, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a, new and, by a new and living way, which he in, inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great, high, a great priest over the house of God, let us do a couple things. Let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bottom or two. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and, and let us consider how to stimulate or to stir up or to spur on one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So you have these action verbs here. I've heard this called the lettuce, the lettuce passage or the lettuce patch before different lettuce things there, kind of funny, not so much. Um, but there's different action verbs there about spur on. So let us do certain things. Let us spur on, let us get together, let us be together, let us encourage. So this sounds like this real two-way street of community, of church. And so this morning I wanna talk really practical about how is it exactly that we do that? How do we live with each other? How do we hold each other accountable to things that we said really matter to us? So the road is about accountability, and then I'm gonna be real practical, and this is how we actually do it. How do you receive accountability, and then how do you hold people accountable, okay? So first thing, uh, we're gonna go through a couple points here. This is gonna be six points here. These are just a few things to understand about accountability. Number one, accountability is helping each other to keep saying yes to what we committed to. Okay, so accountability is helping each other to keep saying yes to the thing which you committed to or the thing which you say you really, you really value or the thing that you say that you're committed to. So you said yes on this particular thing. You say, I'm committed to that. So accountability is no more than just others coming alongside of you and saying back to you, keep saying yes. Keep saying yes. You, you said yes. You said this mattered to you. You said you were committed to this thing. What I'm doing is I'm coming alongside. I'm saying, hey, keep saying yes. Choose to obey. So what are, what, what are we saying yes to? Here in this church, we're saying yes to becoming a certain type of of people. So it's not necessarily just, I'm holding you accountable to just do a list of things. And I will get out my grade book and I will grade you. Instead is I'm holding you accountable to continue in the process of becoming the type of person that God wants to make you. See how that's a little bit of shift? It's a shift from like, oh man, I don't want somebody to hold me accountable to just a list of things that I have to do. That's what I feel like the rest of my life is like. And that's what school was like for so long. But no, it's and I'm coming alongside of you, and I am committed alongside of you to who you are a person. And you really say, you look at Christ and he says, come follow me, and you say, yes, I will come follow 
Christ. Then what accountability is, is it's God giving you these people to come alongside of you and say, man, keep going after him. You said yes. You said you wanted to follow him. You said you were all in for him. Keep saying yes to him. You think about our, our marriage getaways, which we have one coming up in a couple months. Really, those are just an opportunity to get away and say, keep saying I do. Keep saying yes. At the wedding, you said yes. At the wedding, you said I do. And so what we're doing is we're coming alongside and saying, keep saying I do. And this is how you keep saying I do. So we need accountability in our marriage where people come alongside and they say, here's some practical steps. Here's some tips on how you keep saying that you will. And you said you commit to certain things at Exchange Church. So what we're doing is we're trying to be really clear and say these are the commitments that you're saying, okay, I'm all about that. And so accountability is us coming around on the other side, each other coming around to. Let's go after this together, okay? And so it uses this word here. It says to uh, stimulate or to spur on in verse 24. It says, so let us consider how to spur on one another to love and good deeds. So there's something actually that we're trying to spur each other on um, toward, and that is to become a certain type of people, is to become a loving people, a people whose life is defined by doing loving things, and a, a people, a person of love, and then doing good works. And so we're spurring people on to what you agreed that you said that you wanted and you valued. So sometimes when we think about uh, accountability, we often think about confrontation, right? You think like somebody's holding me accountable. What that might typically bring up to your mind is like somebody's gonna get up in my face and they're gonna confront me on the thing which I'm not doing very well at. That's not really what I'm talking about, okay? What I'm, what I'm talking about this morning is mostly coming alongside and saying like, hey, I, I wanna spur you on. I'm right here with you. I got the same thing and together, Let's spur each other on toward love and good deeds and good works. So I kind of picture, as, as y'all know, I always have these uh, pictures in my head. I picture this horse, right, that's just kind of like lazily just sort of uh, moseying along, right? And he's kind of aimless, doesn't exactly know where he's going, just kind of walking around. But it says here, spur on, you get this picture of like actual spur on the horse and say like, giddy up, we got to go. We're, we're involved in something that's really important. We're involved in something that really, really matters. You're just kind of roaming around the pasture. But like, horse, we've been given a mission. We've been given an unbelievable purpose. We are kingdom advancers as people who have said yes to Christ. And so we need people to come, come alongside, almost like you hear these spurs on Sunday morning. I should have worn spurs. I don't have any spurs, Brian. They're wearing spurs today. Um, but you, almost, you can almost hear that. So there's like, I can tell you, there's like a 100% chance that I would not be here today if it weren't for people that held me accountable throughout my life on various things. So there's like this long trail of names. I could list like 20 names of just people that specifically held me accountable for specific things that I intentionally went after them and said, hey, I, I, I see this in my, in, in my life and I need you to hold me accountable for these things. These are things like um, reading the word, just basic disciplines, things like reading the word, things like prayer, things like um, I, I feel like I'm called to ministry. Can you hold me accountable to that? Don't let me swerve away from that. Even things like dating my wife, I have a friend right now who will just, just occasionally text me and say, D-Y-W, and that just means date your wife. And I'll say like, okay, like I love my wife. I like to go on dates, it's really fun. But occasionally, I mean, you guys know, occasionally you're like, oh my gosh, it's been like a couple of weeks or whatever. And I just get this text that says, D-D, this like accountability to say, you love her. She matters to you. This is something you said you were really committed to. But I'm just coming along and say like, date your wife, man. Things like that, things like, um, even just like basic disciplines or just even, even coming on Sunday morning or going to small group. I need accountability. Somebody would be like, hey, I can't wait to see you tonight. Ah, I was gonna skip. But the accountability was that person saying they can't wait to see me. I don't really know if they wanna see me, but it's their way to get me there. And I'm leading, so I should probably be there. Um, 
So accountability is helping each other to keep saying yes to what we committed to. Number two, accountability is only needed for imperfect people, AKA sinners. So some of y'all are off the hook. No, nobody's off the hook. Right, if there was a thought in your head that said, okay, well, I'm not a sinner, so I'm off. No, 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 I'm talking about everybody. This is for us. And so the thought that we in our life is an indication that we greatly need accountability. Because we all have blind spots, right? Hebrews 3, 13. Um, just so you know, I do intentionally not put all the scripture on the screen because I think it's important to have a Bible with you so you can turn and find it there. Um, Hebrews 3, 13. But encourage one another day after day, daily, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So there's this like daily emphasis of there's a great potential of us falling into sin. So we need people to encourage us and to spur us on, and we need to embrace accountability because we have blind spots. There's just certain things that we cannot see. Um, One of the main reasons I got married is because I can't shave my own neck. Okay, and uh, you know, there's times where my wife's like, your neck is getting like crazy. So I'm like, well, you gotta shave. I don't know if you ever try to shave your own neck. I feel so sorry for single people. I don't know how you do it. Like, yeah, do it like backwards. It's really challenging with a mirror and a mirror. And anyway, maybe I'm just challenged. Uh, but so, cause I can't see what's back there, right? I can't see what's back there, but I've got these blind spots and I need somebody else to say, hey, your neck, it looks wild. Okay, and we need to address that, that thing. Uh, so we need mirrors, right? We need mirrors. Our church, whether you like it or not, this is the way God has like designed it. The people that God has put around you are a room full of mirrors, right? It's people who can show you what you can't see. Like when you sit in a small group in a circle, everybody holds up a mirror and you see yourself and they help you see what you can't see. I don't know if you've ever, ever uh, you do your hair and all that kind of stuff, but you don't actually like look in the mirror again. In the bathroom, I look in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, like that's, I'm so sorry that that is what you have been looking at all, all day long. Like I, I didn't realize that that's what you had to see. Your hair's all disheveled and stuff. You're like, is my eye like falling out? Like I just don't look great. So maybe you felt like that, but we need accountability. We need mirrors to show us the things that we absolutely can't see. You know, students, I don't know if you've ever been in the pool before and one of your buddies come, comes out of the pool and like their brain is coming out of their nose. And you're like, you got it, you got it, you can't see it, but like you got to get that off, okay? So it's like that. A lot of us are walking around with our brains coming out of our nose and uh, we just need other people to say, that needs to be fixed. And if you think that's not the case, there's a good chance your brains are coming out of your nose, okay? So spiritually and relationally and, ev- and everything, we need Mirrors. Here's a great question. This is like a really challenging question uh, that I've challenged a lot of people to ask and I've had to ask myself. You should write this down. The question is this, what is it like, what is it like to be on the other side of me? Are you willing to ask your closest people out of me? Because guess where I've never been? On the other side of me. I don't know what it's like to work with me, to live with me, right, to be my child, to be my spouse. So that, that's a tough question, but like, what is it like to be on the other side of me? You only ask that question if you have a real understanding that you, you need mirrors in, in your life. And so accountability is only needed for imperfect people, which means we all need it. We have a tremendous, here's, here's the reality of the kind of striking, jarring reality is that we have a tremendous potential for drift and sin. If you think you've come to this place where like, I think I've got it figured out. I think I can like, like my capacity to sin has like leveled out. That is an incredibly dangerous spot. I'll say this, the amount of the tremendous potential of sin in my own heart is through the roof. And I've seen, you know, stories in this room, and the story is always like this. It's not I woke up and that's what I decided to do. It's over time, I don't really even know how I got here. Over time, it just drifted. It's like when you're in the ocean, right? 
and your back is turned to like the, the, the shore and you just don't even realize it, but like 10 minutes later, you get out of the ocean, you're like, somebody stole my stuff. Nobody stole your stuff. You just got drifted way down the shore because your eyes weren't back there. And so you need somebody behind you saying like, hey, we are drifting. So there's just a tremendous potential of, of drift. And it's so incredibly dangerous to just stay home and not allow people in your life. So much of our world is trying to isolate us and convince us that we're okay just doing us. I'm just gonna live in these seven inches. And I'm fine like running my own world. And Satan, the enemy the whole time is saying, hey, you got this. You got this, man. You're a grown woman. You're a grown man. You don't need accountability partners. That's like for like teenagers. That's what the enemy's saying. Because the enemy knows you probably better than anybody in this room. He's a schemer, right? He's a schemer and he's a student and a scholar of you. And so he's studying you and he's got schemes and strategies. And one of his greatest is to isolate you and keep you out of community where you're unknown and people don't know you. And so there are areas in this room, right? Uh, there's areas in this room in your own heart where you realize like, oh man, that, if I were to identify the area, there's an area that I probably need accountability. Uh, and it's probably different for every, everybody in, in the room. It could be pride. It could be anger. It could be laziness. It could be gluttony. It could be gossip. It could be lust. It could be just flat out time you spend online addictions, just slowly drifting away from Jesus, work-life balance. More than anything, these are things that are keeping you from living a life that actually matters. And I think that's the point. It's spur one another on to love and good works. Christian life is all about love and good works and living in this massive big deal. And these things are just drifting us to live in a small deal. And so we're saying we're holding each other accountable. What we're saying is like, man, I, I want you to be back in the big deal. I want you to keep your eyes on, on Jesus. And so recognizing that we, are, we, are, um, we need accountability because accountability is, is needed for imperfect people. Now, the flip side of that, number three, is accountability is only practiced by imperfect people. I stink. Right, so... I want somebody to hold me accountable and you may have a story where you're like, I tried that one time and they didn't do it well. They didn't do it well. So does that mean we don't do it anymore? Or does that mean we just say, you know what? I'm coming to accountability very imperfect. and They're coming to accountability very imperfect. So this thing just requires loads and loads, right? So we gotta give grace and give the benefit of the doubt, realizing accountability, just like marriage, just like relationships, is always involving two, two centers. Okay, so it's gonna take a little bit of a, a dance, a dance of grace. Number four, accountability is a gift of grace. Accountability is an absolute gift of, of, of grace. So if we can just step back just for a minute and you think back to a sermon Brian preached where he talked about uh, 1 Timothy 2.10 where it says, we were not a people and God made us a people. Okay, and so you think about how absurd that is, that what we actually deserve as a people is for God to put us in timeout. Some of y'all young parents, like you put your kids in timeout. God deserves to just like, he should put us in timeout without anybody else. You can't play with any friends. I'm not gonna give you anybody around you. That's what we deserve. But God in his infinite mercy said, I made you, you were a person, and now I've made you a people. I have surrounded you with people, the perfect people to address the very things that you're walking through. So you think about just this gift of grace. It's crazy when you think about the church and how he gathers all these fragments into this people. And you look around, and he's like, why, why in the world do you think he like put this ragtag group of people together. If the, if the people you need are not here, 
then I guess God's just like waiting for his will to be done. I think the people who you need are in the room. The people I need are in this room. He made us a people. And so we go back um, to verse 24. It says, let us consider how to stimulate or how to provoke or how to spur on each other to love and good deeds. So let us consider. What that means is like brainstorm. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it in the message. He says, let us see how inventive we can be. Like dreaming up ways to spur each other on. Like imagine that, spending your your days, not isolated, not just thinking about yourself, but like, oh man, oh man, like this this person, like let me think about Matt today. Gosh, the ways, let me invent so many ways that I can spur him on. Like I'm gonna put my spurs on. Sunday morning, and I'm gonna think like, Matt's gonna hear those spurs coming when I show up on Sunday morning, and instead, man, I hope it's worth my time. I hope the snacks are awesome. It's, how can I spur on Matt this week? God, would you give me inventive, creative ways to spur him on to a life that actually matters? So it just changes our whole posture. We're like, how of grace. The crazy part is we resist receiving grace. Somebody ever offered you something really, really kind, and you're like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. We're like that with accountability. It's like, oh, no, 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 I, I, I can't. Yes, you can, and we, and we should. So we need to seek accountability, uh, accountability out as a means of grace. We do it in all other areas of life, right? We lean into it in most areas. Like none of y'all take your car into the shop, and you bring it in, and they look at it, and they say, um, so here's the problem. You know, and they tell us what, what the problem is. None of you say like, man, why you gotta be so judgmental? Why are you being all judgy on my car? Like I'm never coming back here again. I can't believe you would look at me and tell me the things that I brought the car in here for you to find out. But no, no, they have a different vantage point. They hoist the thing up and they can see underneath. They can see things that you can't see. Just stay on the road and for your car not to blow up, okay? And so there's part of it where it's like that, where we, where we come in and we say like, man, my commitment is to stay on the road. I wanna, I wanna stay on the road. The goal is to stay on the road. Well, if that's the case, then you're gonna need to get this particular thing fixed. And that's why we say, okay. But in our, in our spiritual lives, in our relational lives, sometimes we feel like that's judgmental. And so I think we need to seek it out. We need to say like, hey, man, I've got this car and it's making this sound. Can you hear this? Somebody says, yeah, I hear the same thing. Actually, I've heard the thing for a, a little while longer than you have. Can I, can, I help? can I help out? Identify it together. You might be the guy to help me out on this. Because I want to stay on the road. I want to stay on the road. Number five, accountability is empowered. Not only is it a gift of grace, it's empowered by the gospel of grace. It's not only a gift of grace, it's empowered by the gospel of grace. Look at verse 19. It says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place in the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, uh, and then 21, and since we have a great high, sorry, a great priest of faith, so this is picture of how did they even get into this story? They got into this story because since, that since word is really important, because since Jesus is the curtain and Jesus is the priest. Jesus is the entrance. He's the only ticket into this story. So the only reason they're even able to come and do the let us things here is because they were given access by the one who could only give them access. He made a way. He made a way for us to even be in the conversation. So when we approach accountability, this is really, really important. When we approach accountability, the whole thing is rooted and empowered and mobilized by grace. Okay, so what that means is that we're only here because of, we are here for the same, through the same thing. We got here because he gave us access. So nobody is here and nobody's here. 
We are on the same level saying, I didn't do anything to get here. Maybe a better picture is this. I think I've given this picture before. Uh, imagine a baby being born. Okay, don't imagine that too much. But imagine a baby is born. They're in there for nine months, and there's this little cord that's like attached. And that cord is the thing that's keeping that baby alive. Okay, imagine the doctor, the mom, the dad, and the baby's first words are like, boom, look at me. Did you see what I just did? Nine months, baby, I crushed it. I'm totally alive, look at me, cheer for me, cheer for me. And then the doctor says, what's, what's, what's that? What's attached to your stomach? Ah, oh, that's nothing, that's nothing, that's nothing. I'm the, I'm the best person in this room. What's, no, that's nothing. It's like we, we see the cord that got you here, dude. Nine months, without that, you would not be here. So the gospel is kind of like that. It's like we all come in the room, and I want, you to, I want you to be haunted by this. Every time you look in the mirror, we all have a belly button. Every time you see your belly button, I want you to think, like, that's the most gospel-centered thing, whether it's in any Audi or full of Lent. Okay, I want you to just remember, that is like a picture of the gospel that says, you did nothing to get here. The proper response of that baby is to look at mom and say, look at her. Look at her. Stop looking at me. Look at her. She is incredible. Right on cue. What she did for nine months, I cannot believe it. I don't deserve to be here. She kept me alive. If you can, it's a good chance to call, call your mom today and say thank you. So when we approach accountability, we come with a common understanding that we did nothing to get ourselves in this situation. Like how Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done, consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. So we approach accountability saying like, hey, I got a belly button too, man. I got a belly button too. I'm not above you. You're not above me. It's me and you going after something here that really, really matters. The whole thing has got to be rooted in an understanding of grace. Like the way I like to put it is um, there's no swagger in front of the Savior. And I think we've developed this spiritual swagger in front of other people. And there's no swagger in front of, there's no swagger posture, right, in front of the presence of uh, the Savior but one of pure humility, radical humility, says nobody's better in this situation. Me and you, man, we both got belly buttons, so we can do accountability right. An every member ministry. Accountability is a every member ministry. One of my favorite parts about this is this ministry is not dependent on like pastors and leaders. This is the beauty of the church. This doesn't, accountability doesn't take committees. It takes like zero budget. This is one of my favorite things. It takes zero budget, yet it's one of the most powerful ministries we have at Exchange. And so every member is a minister, especially when it comes to accountability. So what is your role in this? Come alongside of people to edify and to build up and say, let me consider. Let me brainstorm. Let me think of ways, man, that I can like spur people on. Man, let me pray for people and then like figure out how can I come alongside and say like, hey, we're on this journey together, me and you, man. Let's go after this. Then maybe this week in small group would be a great opportunity to like brainstorm as a group. How can we spur each other on? We'll start making lists of like how can we spur each other on, not just in a, um, in a coming alongside in like almost a let me help you out kind of way, but also like in an encouraging way, right? Where it says in verse 25, but encouraging, uh, encouraging one an another and all the more as you see the day drawing near, near. So it's like encouraging one another even more now as Peter. So let's, let's brainstorm even ways. How can we encourage each other in really practical, practical ways? A lot of times it's just seeing people on Sundays and saying like, hey, hey, I'm in your corner. I'm in your corner. Has somebody said that to you recently? Like, I'm in your corner. Not against you. We're in your corner. Keep, keep going. 
Like we have those opportunities, those practical things on Sunday mornings. You show up and be like, man, God, give me like four or five people that this morning I can just tell them like, me and you, I'm on your team. So like uh, that's on Sundays, that's on small groups. Uh, maybe it's even like you use a pen and you write. When's the last time you got a handwritten note or handwritten letter? This means a lot. Now there used to be a member here who used to write me letters like on pages, like on paper, with, with, with a pen. Like he would write like three-page letters, just kind of like encouraging me in the ministry. He's moved on somewhere else now because um, he and his family moved out of town. But like imagine writing somebody a letter and starting with these, with these words. I see God working in you. Six, six, six words, I see God working in you. Like let's just consider, let me think of somebody, how do I see God working? I'm gonna pull out a pen, I'm gonna put down my phone, turn off the TV, and I'm gonna write a letter to somebody, start like a letter writing ministry, and just write people and encourage people. Zero budget, except for stamps. It's good to mail it, and not hand it, hand it to them. Mailing is cool. Or even it's as simple as like spirit prompting. We've talked about this before. Like you're driving down the road, the spirit spurs you to spur others. It's like a domino effect of spurring. Right? So you're driving down the road and he just brings somebody to mind and says, like, text that person, call that person. You know what you should do? Text that person or call that person. There's times when I'm like, ah, I don't know, that's kind of weird, I don't know. But like, do it, just do it. The Spirit is, he's so good at giving us names of people who um, just might need that in that particular moment. So there's just like really practical ways, but maybe this week in group, you can brainstorm. How can we do this every member ministry and just spur one another on, encourage each other, come up with some practical ways and then do them. Okay, so those are some basics about uh, um, accountability. Now let's talk about uh, how do we receive accountability and how do you hold someone accountable? This is kind of nuts and bolts of the whole thing. This is what makes this work, okay? You've got the whole list there, nice. How do we receive accountability? How do we embrace? If one of our commitments is to pursue community and embrace accountability, how do we receive accountability? Number one, we seek it out. We actually seek it out from an understanding of I have a great need and I need this thing. The potential of my sin, the potential of my drift is incredibly large. And so I've got to seek this, this out. And so I wanna just challenge you and say like, man, I think God has probably already put those people around you. Like they're really good friends and stuff, but like God has, God has put those people around you because they already actually really care about you. You want me accountable for something. Like it's a lot different when somebody just kind of comes, comes in and says like, I'm holding you accountable for this because you're not doing great. It's a whole different deal if you come to them and you say like, I need accountability for this thing. And so that's one of the challenges even this morning. I want you to be thinking like, is there somebody in your life right now with some particular thing you're walking through, some particular thing you're trying to figure out or manage that you need to go to that person, maybe even this morning, maybe this week, maybe in group, you say like, hey, this is a thing. And I realize that unattended to, it's not gonna lead to a good spot. Would you hold me accountable to this? And that person's able to say, well, how would you like me to do that? Next time I see you, can you ask me this question? That's the question I will ask you the next time I see you. We both really care about what you're going after, okay? Um, so maybe it's like the people that God has already placed around you. Students, major challenge for you guys here. Like our youth ministry is so blessed with these incredible friends that y'all have. And what if, what if it's meant for more than that? You know, I'm not saying like, there's, there's anything wrong with video games and doing all that kind of stuff and just ha hanging out and staying on the surface or whatever. Like, but please don't let it stop with Rocket League and Fortnite. Those are great. But like God has considered like besties or best friends in your life. And what if you took that relationship to the next level and you said like, hey man, like I know we're not like this. It's kind of weird, especially as bros. But like, here's just the thing, man. Can you like, like hold, hold, hold me accountable to do much better at Fortnite, but hold me accountable to walk my life a little bit different in this way. Can you, can you do that? It might be weird, but let's do that together. As students, we can do that. 
If we can do it as students, we can do it as adults. Now adults, same thing. It's like identifying those things and seeking it out, saying, man, I think God's put that person in my life for this particular thing. The difficult part about this part of the sermon is you might be sitting there thinking, nobody knows me. And that's a, that's a hard reality in a room like this where you're like, nobody here actually even knows me. And part of that might just be because you're new around here. And part of that might be you've been around here for a long time. But you realize I'm not known because I haven't made myself present. I'm just not here. So the challenge this morning is it is time to commit. It's time to be here. It's time to say, you know what, Wednesday nights, that's small group night. Unless somebody is broken, bleeding, or barfing, we're going to small group. Like that's our night because I've gotta be present. I need to be known. And right now there's an awkward moment because I'm not known. I'm not known because I'm not present. And so these kinds of things happen in spaces like small group, which are like the backbone of exchange. We've got like 98% of our members are in a small group right now. Uh, It happens one-on-one. It happens even on Sunday mornings. It happens in our prayer time. Maybe even stepping in the back and saying like, hey, I I need to make myself known, even, even with one of our prayer partners. So we seek it out, we be known, uh, we be honest, we be really honest, just acknowledging the struggles that we have. Paul was honest in 2 Corinthians 12, when he talks about this thorn in the flesh, he's like, I am weak, I have weaknesses, I need support, I have weaknesses. So maybe it's just taking that next step of being, of being honest about your particular thing. Maybe it's a sin pattern, right? Maybe it's, a, it's your pursuit in marriage. Maybe it's uh, physical health. Maybe it's the way you spend money. It's just different for different people. But there's those things you're like, man, not, not to be like overwhelmed with guilt about it, but to be motivated in grace. To be motivated in grace of like, this is a particular area I've got to pull people alongside to be on my team. Be honest and then to con- confess. So confession, uh, Psalm 51 Right? Against you and you only have a sin is what David says. So we understand that there's, it's vertically a sin against God. But yet James 5.16 talks about confessing your sins to one another. There's great power in confessing your sins one, to one another. In small groups at exchange, there have been tremendous sins that have been confessed. Tremendous. And I, I can't believe the courage that has been demonstrated in small groups at exchange. I just, I can't believe it. Like ramifications that are like lifelong because small group has modeled this thing of we're, we're confessing with one another. Or just sweep it under the rug, right? And just keep driving the car. Just keep, a car is just making a noise. Be humble enough to come to group in the appropriate setting, maybe with one or two, two guys and say, or one or two ladies and just say like, hey, my, my car, is, car is making a noise. Or maybe even this morning with our prayer team in the back, be like, hey, this is the thing. And I can't overcome the reality that God brought me here this morning to deal with this thing. Spirit would not let me sit in my seat this morning. I had to go to the back. I gotta tell somebody this because I can't live this way anymore. That's what it's about. So then, again, then the gospel of having this community around you come around and say, let me, let me spur you on, man. Let me spur you on. How do we hold someone accountable? Okay, this is like the really practical, tricky part. Number one, earn your voice. Earn your voice. How do you actually hold someone accountable? A, you have to want to. But number one, earn your voice. This is based on relationship. Again, you gotta know others and you gotta be known, which means you gotta be present. You just gotta be in people's lives. Your presence really, really matters. And maybe you realize right now, like I don't have a voice in somebody else's life. There's a good chance you don't have a voice in somebody else's life because you're just not in somebody else's life. I have a nephew 
who I see maybe once a year. I'm not speaking in, into his life. Because I just, I love the kid, but I just don't see him enough. I haven't really earned a voice. Just because I'm an uncle doesn't mean I should speak into his life. I don't know him. He doesn't really know me. And so we've got to be present with people. We know them. And as we know them, then we can consider. Oh, let me consider how I can spur them up. So earn your, your voice. Seek permission. Seek permission. Kind of like I said earlier, a great question is, hey, what's a good question I can ask you the next time I see you? And when somebody shares something in small group, you say like, hey, let's turn that into a question, but I'm gonna let you like come up with the question. What's the question I should ask you next time? And then next time, you don't forget to ask the question. Like when you see them again, like, hey, remember you asked me to ask this question, so I prayed about it, and now I'm actually asking that question. I'm holding you accountable to the actual thing that you said you wanted accountability for. Or even like, what are you, what are you going for? What are you going for and how can I help you get there? It's a good question. What are you going for right now and how can I help you get there? Am I the guy to help you? Am I the guy? Can I hold you accountable for that? Would, could I hold you accountable for that? Number three, co cooperate with the Spirit. Pray for them often. Pray for people often. If you, if you can't pray for the person that you're holding accountable. We do not need accountability that's not spirit-led here. So you should be praying for people way more than you're challenging for them and telling them how they can do better. Number, number four, come alongside with hum, humility. This is kind of in the theme of the morning. But it's a lot of that like me and you, man, coming alongside. Accountability is coming alongside. It's not like on top of, let me dunk on you, let me tell you what, what you're doing wrong and how I'm better than you. It's coming alongside of saying like, man, I've got shortcomings just like you. You know, you think about, this is kind of a scary passage. When we think about accountability, Matt, or Jesus says this in Matthew 7. He says, uh, you know, how can, why do you look uh, at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye, you hypocrite. And so here's, here's the danger of that. The danger of that is we realize we both have a, have a belly button. We realize we both have a plank in our eye, or I have a plank in my eye. So that just shuts us up. And we say nothing because we think, who am I to say anything to them? Man, I know me. That's not what this chapter is saying. That's not what this verse is. We need to still come alongside of people and say, I, I, I know that I have this. And because even the fact that I recognize that I have this plank in my own eye, then I'm actually able to come alongside and say, me and you. How many of y'all have ever like maybe, maybe, um, I don't know, if, if you're the person that mows the, the lawn, how many of you have ever looked at your neighbor's yard and you're like, why can't they just get that one spot? Why can't they just get that spot around their, 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 their mailbox? Uh, not, my, not my neighbor, okay, my neighbor's in the room. Uh, it's, it's pristine, it's perfect. But you like, you start judging the other, the other yard, right? You're like, why, are they so busy they can't just take a weed, weed whacker and just get that one little spot? And you're tempted to actually go do it yourself? And then you remember, I've got a list of like 40 things in my house that I am putting off. It's that kind of moment of like, oh, okay, I've got a list of things too. And so that shouldn't cripple us or paralyze us into saying like, well, I don't have a leg to stand on. Who am I to say? Perfection doesn't earn you a voice, posture and presence do. Perfection doesn't earn you a voice, posture and presence do. The posture of coming in alongside of somebody and saying like, hey, I feel you, man. Like I'm wrestling through the same stuff. I think um, that's probably one of, the, one of the most transformative things I've learned as a parent is much better. It's much better to come alongside your kid and say, me and you, me and you, instead of why can't you? How could you not? It's me and you, man. We got the same deal. So let's, let's go together. 
Uh, number five is merge with a blinker, okay? <laughs> merge with a blinker. There's nothing worse than somebody you're driving down the road and they just like jerk the wheel into your lane. With accountability, sometimes it feels like that. Somebody just jerks into your lane. But there's so much grace, so much kindness that says like, you know, like, oh, okay. Hey, I'm, I'm coming into your lane. I'm coming into your lane. I'm merging in your lane. I'm merging your lane. And now I'm in your lane. Okay, that was so much better than like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe this week in small group, you can think through like, how can we merge into each other's lanes in a kind, gentle way? You, you've earned a voice. You belong in that lane. How do you? We got to become a culture of like turning on the blinker. Let them know, hey, I'm, I'm merging in. Uh, re, remind them what they believe, number six. Remind them what they believe. There's only two more. Uh, and what that is, just like, hey, man, remember, like in my accountability, what I'm saying is like, you said, this is what, these are your words. You said that this matters to you. And so give people the word. Give them the word. Give them the gospel. Give them their own beliefs back to them. You said you believe this. Let me help you believe this in this moment. You see how this is done with like a posture of just different and coming alongside, spurring them on to something better than that thing. One of the issues with accountability sometimes is there's a particular thing, maybe it's purity or something like that, and we get together and all we talk about is that thing. We talk about that particular thing. And I do think that you have to address that thing but I think good accountability is spurring them on to the thing that's on the other side of that thing. To say like, man, the, the reason this is such a problem is because it's keeping you from living this flourishing life. Let me encourage, let me give you a vision of the flourishing life. Like with this thing out of the way, let me give you a vision. It's not just stop it. That's not accountability. It's not just stop it. It's merge into this. Let's start this. This is this actual life of like flourishing, that we are part of something, this new and living way. Right? So we're part of differently when you realize um, that the team that you're on is actually in the game. You know, I want to hold my teammates accountable because we're doing something together here. It's not about because I want them to just be better I want them to just look better to not embarrass us anymore or to make myself look better because I keep company with you. But it's, hey, we're a team. Like we're, we're doing something here. We're pursuing community and embracing accountability because we're going after something here that really, really matters. And that is, back to sermon one of this series, we are a church where God is committed to putting himself on display to the world. All of this accountability is for the sake of the world. Me holding you accountable is for the sake of the world. That's a big deal. It's for the sake of the world, the place that God has placed you, the circles in which he has placed you, Ephesians 3.10, right? That God is, the church is a public display of Christ to the world. And so we're holding each other accountable to, for the sake of that thing. It's not just so our grade book looks good. It's so we can be about something here. And let's spur each other on to loving the world and good works. So the challenge today is this. The challenge today, ask yourself a couple questions. We've got prayer partners in the back. Um, what do you need to repent, or do you need to repent from thinking that you can repent this morning, from thinking that you can do it on your own? We our own. So maybe you just need to repent from that today. Or this question, what areas of your life do you need someone to hold you accountable in? Maybe this morning, during this message, it's nothing that I said, but the Spirit said it better than I ever could. He said, that's the area. You cannot walk out of this room this morning until we get some things straight. Maybe it's disciplines. Maybe it's purity. Maybe it's your private world. Maybe it's what happens here when nobody's looking. Maybe it's, the, it's the, per, the pursuit of your spouse. Maybe it's particular vices like pride and anger and gluttony and life-work balance. Maybe you're a workaholic. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's those things that God's saying, like, man, I just, you really need somebody to come alongside. You really need some, somebody. That's not admitting defeat. That's actually victory. To say, I need you.
And lastly is this, who might it be for you? Maybe God's already told you who it's gonna be. Maybe they're in this room. You just need some support. You need somebody to put that blinker on and you say, hey, I, I, I'm, come, on, come on in. I need you in my life. And not only is it a great challenge last week of inviting people over for, for meals, maybe this morning is about inviting people to merge into your lane. And then community really starts to happen here. So again, those challenges this morning, do you need to repent from thinking you can do it on your, on your own? What area, what's the area that the Spirit's like, you're not leaving today? You gotta get somebody to merge in. And then who might that be for you? Well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, God, and the crazy fact that um, just the grace that we have people around us who would actually care enough about us to consider how to spur us on. God, we're thankful. We're just so thankful for that gift that you've given us in the church. That there's imperfect people around us that can merge into imperfect people's lanes. God, would you do what only you can do this morning, Spirit? Would you spur on? Would you pro provoke our hearts this morning to respond in such a way where we say, I'm gonna accept need and I'm gonna embrace accountability even this morning. As a church, it's something we, we wanna commit to. And so God, would you even uh, help us to demonstrate that this morning, to model that uh, as we move even back toward people and grabbing somebody who's near, nearby or even seeking out that person who you want them to hold you accountable to a particular thing. God, that we would uh, take action this morning and that today would be a day not of defeat, but a day motivated in grace toward victory. God, we need you. And the way we demonstrate that is by needing your body. You've given us your body in the church. So help us to lean into one another to allow each other to merge in and to pursue a, flour a flourishing life in you. God, thank you for our time together. We love you. May we respond now in such a way uh, that <laughs> tells you that you really do matter to us. God, we love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.